Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 4, page 1237. If you got a Schofield King James Bible, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 4. I have a few copies of notes left over if you're interested in those. And uh, if, if you need those, you help yourself to them. And um, before we read, everybody look this way for just a moment. Well, I've debated all week long about this sermon and these, this series. This morning I understand that it's not a salvation message. I want you to know if you're lost, Jesus will save you anywhere, anytime. This morning, if you just acknowledge that fact, He'll, he'll, he'll just save you. You, say, you, you mean in a, in a sermon like this, he can save you anywhere He wants to. But I am so burdened about God's people of course, we're on a series on pulling down the strongholds. Last week, we looked at defining a stronghold. This morning, I want to begin with five distinctives. That every person that has a stronghold, one of these things is probably very real in their life. So why are you doing that? Because if you don't need it for your life, you've got somebody in your family that needs it. Every one of us has got someone that right now your mind could go to that there is a stronghold in their life. If nothing else, this series will help you to know how to pray for them and lift them up. My desire is for our church, if you have a stronghold, how God can help you to that thing to be pulled down out of your life. Life is too short allow the devil to give us a stronghold that destroys us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Your education, your philosophy, your thinking, your... your I, I, I know how to fix this. It's not going to pull down strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God's got to pull down strongholds in individuals' lives. I'll read some more scriptures, but the thought is we look at this first distinctive. Are you... Teachable. Are you teachable? Let's go to the throne of grace and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, how we so ask for your guidance. Holy Spirit, give us the very word we need to say. Take from memory those that don't need to be said. Lord, that's my part. Holy Spirit, would you open hearts and ears this morning to those that are listening. And may they hear. But may they be more than that. May they not just hear the Word of God. 
May they do the Word of God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. 2 Samuel chapter 25, verse 17, we have this word from the Lord. Now therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a man of Belial, servant of Satan, that a man cannot speak to him. It's that last phrase there, that a man cannot speak to him. It's unteachable. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 6, now, and the Lord, not, not, this is not the preacher, and the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why are you, hey, Cain, why are you angry? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, Shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Here's what he's saying. Here's the Lord himself is saying, Cain, you don't have to be angry. Hey, Cain, don't, you don't have to be mad. All you've got to do is take the instruction. And what he's saying is, sin's lying at the door. There was a lamb lying at the door because Abel would have brought two in case one got hurt on the way or in the inspection, it didn't pass the inspection of being without flaw. And so there would have been another lamb laying at the door and all Cain had to do was step outside, take the lamb, shed the blood, and God would have gladly accepted his, his um, sacrifice with great joy. He went on to say, Cain, your status won't change. You'll still be the, adult, the, the oldest son, and, and, and the younger will rule over you. We'll run, rule, you can rule over the younger son, and nothing will change. But that day came become unteachable. We looked last week, we made this statement, every stronghold is based on a pattern of wrong thinking and deception. We said there's many things. We, when we think about a stronghold, our first thought is an addiction, and truly those are strongholds, and I don't belittle one of those. Drugs and alcohol are awesome strongholds in people's lives. And they're wrecking them. But may I say today, there's other strongholds as well. You realize this morning if you're lost and undone without a Savior, that can be a stronghold. You say, how? Because the devil will tell you, why, you don't want to get saved, you can't live it. His favorite one is this, don't get saved today. You need to live it up, enjoy all, just get all life has for you. And then when you get old, then you can get saved. Just, I want, the devil says, I want you saved as much as Jesus does. Just don't do it today. Until you sin away the day of grace and you wake up in eternity without God. 
that can become a stronghold. For a Christian, you're saved, you're born again, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt this morning. You can tell me the place and the time where the blessed Lamb of God stepped in the middle of your world and saved you by His marvelous grace. You tell us about You stand up and you can shout that and you can rejoice in that. And yes, Satan knows he can never change that. But I'll tell you what he does do. He gives God's people strongholds that they cannot be a witness. They cannot be a witness. Because the reality is, if they did, they would look at you and say, you hypocrite. I know how you're living. I know what you're doing. I heard you cuss last week. I know what you're doing. And the truth is, uh, a stronghold can literally destroy our ability to make a difference for the blessed Lamb of God. Satan desires that. He desires to destroy every individual's testimony if you're saved today that he possibly can. There are many aspects of a stronghold. We looked and said this. We said that when the order's wrong in the home, it can be a stronghold. And, uh, and trust me, that's a very real one. Uh, when when, when, when the, the God's not first, and the husband's not leading, and the wife's not the heart, and children won't obey, I'm telling you, he can become a stronghold and become very... Destructive. So as I thought about these distinctives, man, I, I could probably make a list of a hundred of them. But I, I just want to narrow it down to five. And this one is such a big one. I, 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 there's folks here I love so dearly. I'm your pastor. And yet... You would quit the church before you'd walk in my office and say, Pastor, help my marriage. Because ultimately, ultimately, we're unteachable. Oh my goodness, I don't want to be unteachable. I don't want to be unteachable. We find as we think about this thing of being unteachable, in the scripture that I read you in 1 Samuel 25, verse 17, the man's name there was Nabal. And Nabal had a great, had a great spread of, of sheep. And, and, each, and David had protected him. And, and that day, uh, in protecting his sheep and his livestock, when they sheared the sheep, or when they got paid, if you will, they could go and say, listen, we took care of your sheep. Would you... Would you uh, well, we'd appreciate if you'd be good to us. And Nabal said, oh, who's David? I don't know who he is. As far as I'm concerned, he's just a crook. David goes back and gets all of his soldiers and says, listen, I'll tell you, before, the, before nightfall, and just read your Bible, he said, there'll not be a man using a bathroom against the wall before morning's time comes. Read it for yourself. And one of the servants came to Abigail because she's a godly woman. And said, Abigail... Here, you better go and you better, you, you better intervene because you, you can't, he's unteachable. Can you talk to this man? He's unteachable. 
And of course she does. She gets some provisions and she runs. And my, what a, what a, what a Christian example she is. Because she falls off. She said, let it be all on me. But she said, David, whatever you do, don't go destroy this man. He ain't worth it. That's what she said. Of course, ten days later, God intervened. The man, as far as I know, is in hell today because he was unteachable. This morning, I'm, I'm wondering, are you teachable? Are you teachable? This morning, as we look at this thought of being unteachable, may I say, first of all, let me give you an explanation. To be unteachable simply goes back to being filled with pride. Paul warned a young teacher, a young preacher boy by the name of Timothy, not a novice that's being lifted up with pride. He fought in the condemnation of the devil. Didn't say he would be lost. He said he would find him place where he'd become a strong, Satan would find a stronghold there because of pride he become unteachable. Ultimately, ultimately, it is a pride that says, you can't teach me nothing. I already know the answer. Well, years ago, one Sunday night, we was, the bathroom overflowed back here. One of the little monsters we got put toilet paper and I stopped up the commode. Water's running all over creation. And you say, preacher, you shouldn't call our kids monsters. They stuff the toilet, the, to, the thing full of toilet paper and water runs everywhere, they're monsters. <laughs> say amen right there. Let's say that before somebody takes it personally and goes home and says, you call my young and a monster. <laughs> Basically, it means this. It means a person that believes They've already arrived. But I, I never forget that Sunday night. We men watches in our work clean we're clean water. Somebody come to the door and said, Pastor, somebody wanting to talk to you. And I come outside and it was Red Porch. Now most of you don't know who Red was. Patsy knows who Red was very well. Very well. He come in, he sat right back there where Cynthia and Michael were sitting. I sat there and I'll be very honest with you, I was very aggravated. Some we was trying to clean up the water and and I said, and, 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 and I don't think I was very nice to him. But while I'm sitting there, God so smote my heart. Never forget it. God said, if this had been anybody else, you would give them time. And gladly. And this man is worthy of your time. And he began to tell me, about having some knee replacement done. And, and he come by. And he said, I just stopped at the church and said, I want you to pray for me. Well, that day, God taught me one of the greatest lessons. He knew something I needed to learn. Because see, Reddit said, I'll never set foot in that church. But he did. And it took a lot of humility to come in and say, Preacher, pray for me. Taught me something. See, the ultimate act of being unteachable is believing you've already arrived. And literally, by definition, is this. You will never grow anymore in life if you think you've already arrived. You'll go nowhere. I remember a man once saying to me, Why do I need to come and hear you tell me what I already know? 
First reason is, he don't know what the next thing is. Number two, he missed the next thing God had for him. And number three, he didn't know if he didn't need to hear again what he already knew. People who think they were robbed have a very high confidence in their own opinions. Paul said this in Romans 12, 3, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. First act of, of, of being unteachable literally is, is, a, is a pride that says, you cannot teach me anything. It's amazing to me the marriages that struggle but yet their pride will not ask someone to help them. Their pride. They're unteachable. Now I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't know what you do with someone that's unteachable. I don't know how you fix someone that's unteachable. Not only explanation, but notice the evidences of this stronghold and, and this distinctive of being unteachable. You may have a stronghold with the root of being unteachable if you feel superior to others. That's the ultimate act of pride. I remember a young lady. If I mentioned her name, most of you would know her. And I'll be honest with you, every relationship she has, she struggles. And here's the reason why. She thinks she's smarter than everybody else. She thinks she knows what more than anybody else. As a matter of fact, she believes her intellect sets her above everyone else. And it's impossible to teach her anything. Her favorite words is this, you should. You should. They know how their spouse ought to act. They know how the neighbors ought to raise their children. They know how the people in the church ought to deal with their children. They know how the Sunday school ought to be operated. They know how the bus ministry ought to be done. The truth of the matter is, they think they're smarter than anybody else there is. And they're unteachable. I don't know about you. I, I'm not sure. I, I years ago when I first surrendered to preach, if you wanted to know something, you just ask me. Praise God, bless God, I can answer. I can tell you. But after 24 years, I'm not even sure about the question anymore. I'm not even sure about the question. I want to be teachable. God help us when we get this ideal that we're better, that we're superior, because the truth is, God dug in the same mighty, filthy, dirty, wretched clay to pull you out that He did everybody else that's saved by the grace of God. All we are is sinners saved by the grace of a holy God. That's it. That's it. You say, well, bless God, He didn't get me there then you're probably not saved. You probably need Jesus. Truth of the matter was, He found me on a church prayer. I was broke as a convict. I was broke as a convict. He saved me anyway. I don't know where He found you. But when we move from the fact, someone said, well, I'll tell you one thing. Bless God. 
He saved me off a church pew. And I, I was, matter of fact, I've never been drunk a day in my life. Never have. Never have. Never smoked any wacky weed. So I got no excuse for being dumb as a box of rocks. Done it all. None at all. I hear people that, well, I tell you what's the truth. The reason I ain't got no sense is I smoke dumb. I don't have none of the excuse. And, and, and I can't use it. Never have. But you know what? When God found me, I was as wretched and as wicked and as filthy and as dirty as the drug that God saved and the dope addict God saved. I'm just as wicked. Boy, I tell you what. Oh, I'm going to mess some of you up now. Hang on. Hang on. I'm going to mess some of you up. Sometimes we get so quick to judge these. And you say, well, bless God. I tell you, I'm glad I'm not like that bunch of homosexuals. You realize Jesus bled and died. If they get saved, God save them. They won't stay in the lifestyle. But by the way, if you're a thief, you won't stay in the lifestyle either. Hey, if you're a drunk, you won't stay in the lifestyle either. Hey, if you're a dumb smoker, you won't stay in the lifestyle either. Are you listening? God saves you. He'll make it. The Bible says, all things pass away. Behold, all things become new. We're a new creature. But can I just say this? You understand he'll save every homosexual that walks an aisle and trusts Jesus as your Savior. Well, that messes some of us up. You said, but well, I tell you, a child pedophile. I just, I, you realize God saved them? You realize God saves murderers? You realize, you realize God saved By the way, if you, you have a problem with murderers, I don't know what you're going to do with Paul. He probably murdered a whole slew of church people before Jesus got a hold of him. I want you to understand this morning. Here's the stronghold is when we become unteachable. I already know more than you. I know more. I can't be taught. Anybody that has a strong hold in their life. You take someone that's a dope addict. Here's what. First, if they never get here, they never get help. And that is, I got an addiction. Until they get there. I, I've got an idea. I've got a problem. I got an Until they get honest enough, they can never be helped. You know why? Because they will always justify it by blaming something or someone else. Well, mama didn't give you enough God in the when I was growing up and I can't help it. I'm a drunk. Huh? You would be amazed at how we take those things. And we say, well, I didn't get this, I didn't get this. No, no. Or somebody, because you, can, can I want to help you. There, you will never stand before God and blame someone else for your stronghold. Esau said, God you ain't teaching me nothing. You accept my sacrifice. You accept the hand, my work in my hand. That's a bloodless sacrifice. You accept it. Or I'm done with you. And I want you to understand that God will never, God will never accept your sacrifice. That's the works of your hands. God's looking for the blood to be applied to our hearts and lives. And when we humbly come, I see Abel take that lamb over there, slice his throat, catch the blood, pour it on the altar. God said, I'm pleased with that. 
no matter what Esau said, he, he was unteachable. Isn't it amazing? You know what breaks my heart? I don't know about you. I, I'm sincere as I can be. I, if, if God gives me a, my allotment, I don't have but a little over 11 years before it'll be time for me to go to house. That means if God gives Miss Stein her allotment, that means we don't have but a little over 11 years for us to, to love one another, serve God, and give God our best. I don't understand people that your marriage is, oh, you put a good front on the church and nobody would never know. But, but it, it's, it's World War Three at your house. No love. No joy. And you would die before you walked in an office and say, Pastor, help our marriage. You would quit the church. You'd blow thing because you're staking pride. And you will doom yourself for the rest of your life in misery and you'll blame everybody else. And never say, somebody help me. That is the craziest thing. If me and her was a fighting every day, I'd find me somebody to help us. I'd say, listen. I'd walk in the office and say, listen, our marriage is terrible. By the way, it ain't never been better. Amen. Lord, if it gets any better, I'm going to die before 70. We had the best time of our We enjoyed life more now than we ever have in our entire life. These youngers are gone. We can tell grandkids when they come and when they got to go home. Can't do that when they're in their house. They got to stay. You can't make them leave. I tell you, we, oh, I love, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you to understand a stronghold. The first distinctive is you're unteachable. You're unteachable. What a sad place. Not only, let me show you some examples of this. David was a man after God's own heart. When David faced Goliath, he trusted God when no one else would. Man, you know what? He was one of Israel's greatest kings. As a matter of fact, King David wrote many of the Psalms in your Bible. David was a godly man. And later on, God said, he's a man after my own heart. Man, what a man he was. But I want to ask you a question. What was David's greatest sin? How many of you believe his greatest sin was when he peered over a balcony roof and saw Bathsheba and committed murder and adultery, took this man's wife? How many of you would believe that's his greatest sin? Raise your hand if anybody believes that. One, two, few of you. Truth of the matter was, that wasn't his greatest sin. His greatest sin was being unteachable. They had won a great victory. And First Chronicles 21, and Satan, there's the devil behind it. Sir, ma'am, 
get your head out of the sand. Your problem is not each other. Behind you is a devil that's wanting to destroy you. And Satan, there's that devil, there's that demon, there's that dragon, there's that wicked one, stood up against Israel. And listen what he did. Here's the great man of God. And provoked David to number Israel. Now, there wasn't nothing wrong with numbering the people. Here was why it was the motive behind David numbering the people. David was numbering the people to trust the arm of flesh instead of trusting God. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba, even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me, that I may know it. And here's where he messed up. And Joab answered, The Lord make his people a hundred times so many more than they be. Here's what Joab said. Now, Joab wasn't a good man. Can I, let, me, let me help you here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out! Joab wasn't a good man. Joab was wicked to the core. But Joab knew something that David needed to know. King, why do you want to number the people? God can take a thousand that, God, that, that you have and God can take that thousand and make them look like 10,000. You say, God can't do that. May I take you back to a day when Gideon, God said, Gideon, I want you to go against uh, a medium, I believe, and said, I want you to destroy them. And I believe if I'm my memory served me correct, he started out with a 30,000 man army. Wow! You give me 30,000 men, I'll go fight for you, Jesus. Jesus says, you got too many, dude. Too many. So he started this process of willing them out. And when he come down to it, he had 300. 300. Against an army of thousands, 300. God put a sword in her hand and a pitcher. And circle them around the enemy. He said, when I holler, the sword of uh, Gideon, he said, you break that pitcher and you shout. And they all turned on one another and killed themselves with 300 men. God made the 300 look like 300,000. You know what God can do for you? God can do for you the same thing. He can take your circumstance. You think it's an impossibility. And make it possible beyond your imagination. And all of a sudden, Joab said, Why are you doing this? Why then does my Lord require this thing? Why will, why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? You're going to hurt the nation, David. Don't do that. David said, Joab, get out there and count them people. And so Joab went. And by the way, Joab never did finish counting all the people. Never did. And he come back. And God said, David, you were unteachable. Unteachable. You go tell David, I'm going to judge him. 
And I'll take us to some of the children of Israel after their number. Then shall I give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. And I'll number them that there be no plague among them when I'll number them. That's when God told him he couldn't number them. But here, he's not, going, he's not asking God anything. Bob Jones said this. God ain't hitting Miley straight licks with a crooked stick. Not only was Joab David's commander, but he was his army. He was his nephew. Joab's mother was David's sister. Sometimes advice from the family is the hardest to take. Because the truth of the matter is, family ain't going to tell me nothing. I know that crowd. Ain't telling me nothing. Sometimes. I, 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 learned, I love this. Isn't it amazing how dumb parents are when you're 16 and how smart those same parents become when you're 21? Isn't that amazing? The Bible says the saints stood up against you and provoked David to number the people. And in 1 Chronicles 21, and the Lord was displeased with this thing. Therefore he smote Israel. God, David said to God, I've sinned greatly because I've done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away with the iniquity of thy servant, for I've done very foolishly. He said, and listen to what God said. Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I'll offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them. That I may do it unto thee. Don't miss this. You can leave the service tonight, this morning, and say, nobody's telling me what to do. But don't you miss this. There is a, there is a result that comes when we're unteachable and we hold on to a stronghold. Listen to what he said. Either three years famine... Or three months to be destroyed before thy foes? Or pestilence, even the pestilence in the land? I'm going to send pestilence. I'm going to let your enemy get you. Or I'll have three years of famine. And David had a great answer. He said, I'm in a great strait. Let me, not fall in the hand of, let me now fall in the hand of the Lord, for very great are His mercies. But let me not fall in the hand of the man so the Lord sent pestilence unto Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. 70,000 died because a man was unteachable. I can't tell my child a thing. They rebel with everything coming and going. Can I ask you something? Can anybody tell you anything? Why do we condemn the rebellion in our children when we're as rebellious at times as they are? Here's a good man. And yet he said, perhaps you're saying, well, preacher, I'd never do that. I want you to know if you're trusting in your own strength, in your own flesh, you will. In the New Testament, while I love this, the day came and the Bible says, Jesus said to them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night was written. I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Now here's Jesus. He's instructing Peter. And listen to what he said. Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. He's, he's, instru- he's correcting the Lamb of God. Here's what he said. Verily, verily, I said to thee that this night... Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. 
He said, even though I die, I want you to know I never will. So many things he could have said. He said, he could have said, Lord, what can I do to keep this from happening? He could have said, Lord, uh, you, you asked him advice. I truly don't want to fail you. He could have said, so, Lord, please give me grace so I don't mess up. Lord, please give me uh, the means to take a stand. Instead, he tries to convince Jesus how wrong he was. When we're unteachable, we become masters at telling everybody else how wrong they are. But I love the Lord's answer. I pray for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted. He said, Peter, you're going to learn this lesson. I'm going to put you in a place where you will be teachable, and you'll learn this lesson. He said, when you do, I want you to strengthen the brethren. I wonder this morning, are you teachable? So let me give you just very practical answers. The exercises, I call them. Make sure God's in every decision you make. Psalms 10, 4, The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God's not at all in his thoughts. Proverbs eight thirteen: The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way in the forward mouth do I hate. Proverbs sixteen eighteen: Pride goes before destruction, and a holy spirit before a fall. Ask anyone, ask anyone, what the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah was, and immediately they'll tell you homosexuality. But that wasn't the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. That was the result. So let me teach you something. Here was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. No, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her, in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hands of the poor and the needy. And they were not honing and committed abomination before me. Thus I took them away as I saw good. The great sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was not homosexuality. The great sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. That's a great sin. And become unteachable. Let me give you one great truth. I believe that will always keep you teachable. May we be like soft clay. Soft clay can be molded into anything. Hard clay, unteachable, you can do nothing with it except maybe hurt someone else. But you can do nothing with it. James 4, 6, He gives more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resisteth the proud. He gives grace unto the humble. James 4, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You want to pull down a stronghold? Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and say, God, help me to be teachable. Now, don't be surprised if God don't put you in a circumstance to see if you really mean it. Oh, I love this. First Peter 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elders. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility. For God resisted the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God. They may exalt you in due time. 
Humility is evidenced by two things. Ladies in our church, ladies in our church displayed this so wonderfully yesterday. I asked Brother Ronnie to head up the meal for this family. So brother, we said, ladies, we need you. All you ladies made a list. And my, you submitted underneath the order and you served. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Two evidences, submission and service. And there's never genuine service apart from submission. And if a person's serving that's unteachable, they won't serve long. Pretty soon they'll become so conflicted with everybody around them. Because they're unteachable. You'll just have to box them in and say, this is what it's going to be. This is what we're going to do. And it becomes so unteachable that literally they won't serve very, very long. Here this morning, may God give us the humility and the grace to say, I want to be teachable. I love this. I don't want, I don't want to stop learning. I don't want to stop learning. Are you unteachable? And there's a stronghold. No matter what that stronghold is, there's a str- the first distinctive is, you're unteachable. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, never eye closed.